0: Thank you.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Eagles water cooler. I'm here with Andrew tonight, the gruesome twosome coming together to talk uh, about the Eagles first win of the 2020 season, taking them to a record of one, two and one, but sitting them atop the NFC least, uh, which has definitely earned that name this year, the Cowboys losing to the Cleveland Browns last weekend, uh, set the Eagles up to take first place with a win and they were able to pull it off. So just sort of visceral reaction, uh, to the win end of the game, Andrew, probably circling 1130 or just after on Sunday night, what, what's your feeling? Um, you know, it
0: wasn't pretty, but, uh, you know, the D stepped up and I think Carson did enough and the offense did enough when it mattered to, to sneak out that win. Um, when they switched to, when the 49ers switched from Mullins to, uh, Bethard, um, and Beathard came in and looked like Tom Brady, that was a bit scary. You know what I yeah, mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah he was he, slinging. I, I'm sure they thought to themselves what would have happened in this game if Bethard started.
0: Yeah, he wound up with uh, – he was 14 for 19, 138 yards, and, you know, drove a bit, and, um, yeah, it was it was a little nerve-wracking. But um, I think RD had done enough early and, and set a tone, and, you know, obviously that pick six by um, – uh singleton was uh crucial so yeah um yeah i mean a a bit scary but uh, and we'll get into it but the d man the defensive line really really stepped up and and i think won us that game ultimately
1: absolutely right and i think that the the phrase an earned win comes to mind truly earned from the watching (laughs) standpoint to the last hill mary uh till that you know final um second ticked off the clock, you know, to really see the Eagles pull off a win this year. And in a really difficult situation, uh, albeit against a backup quarterback, but traveling across country when the NFL is, uh, to be frank, dealing with some of their first encounters with COVID cases and everything else that was going on, uh, the Eagles sort of in the face of it all are able to pull off this win. So let's start it with Carson Wentz, because I think we've agreed over the last few weeks uh, that some of these well, the rocky start for the Eagles in general can be placed at his feet uh, as well as Doug Peterson's or on his shoulders, however you want to put it. But one thing we, Andrew and I were talking about right before the podcast is Wentz is running the ball and he's doing it uh, confidently. And at times where things break down, where maybe otherwise he would have held the ball in the pocket with defenders hanging off of him, still trying to make a throw that he's taking off and running. Um, Let's just start with that fact. I I like to see it. Uh, I do know about his injury history. I do think it's Uh, something Andrew and I again discussed we'd like to see fewer rushes if possible and him being able to dump the ball off to someone else in space but I like to see it I think he's seeming to play better because he's also running the ball and I know you might just see those things as happening in tandem but not being connected but to me there's a confidence to him being able to use that aspect of his game do you see it that way
0: yeah no so I I think with the with the Cincinnati game last week, it seemed like some of his runs were more um, scrambles and in the pocket decisions. Um, whereas this week, it seemed like there were certainly some some run plays that were called for him, especially uh, the touchdown that he scored. It was kind of a, a read option look, and you know he he read it great and uh, 11 yard touchdown, and and that was great. So. Yeah, I mean, I think he ran nine times last week, seven times this week. Um, it's working, right? His, his passing and, you know, our depleted wide receiving core is, is um, affecting the, the game in the air. But if he's able to scramble or design run and, you know, make dynamic plays, then let's see it. Let's, let's continue seeing it. And you had commented earlier, like, you know, Miles just didn't have it. He was struggling. Um, so if you can get a couple extra runs out of, uh, out of Carson, then great. Let's, let's add it to the, uh, to the game plan.
1: Yeah. And if he can continue to threaten defenses uh, with that aspect of his game, I think, you know, with the Eagles difficult schedule, that's going to be a huge benefit for them. I did see some better decision-making from him. I saw moments where he had a lot of options or things were uh, just kind of a melee and he had to make a quick decision. I did see some better decisions, but still some head scratchers, head shaking plays, uh, plays where he's throwing the ball at people's feet um, or missing here and there. Um, For the most part in this game, I felt as though his decision-making was better and there were less of those instances. Um, I also feel as though he was able to bounce back better when he would have one of those. I mean, there's one, I can think of to Miles Sanders, he threw right into the ground and he bounced back the next play and I think took off and, and gained some yards rushing himself. So I, I think he's bouncing back better from them. Uh, not every throw is going to be perfect. I recognize that. We want it to be as fans, obviously, but uh, it's one of those things where I think Carson's getting out of his own way a little bit and I think running is a part of that but I think the decision making and being able to sort of rebound from a bad play a misthrow that sort of thing instead of a slippery slope of a worse play leading to a worse play leading to a worse play I'm seeing him bounce back a little bit more so it's encouraging Um, and I think when we see him run the ball we see a little bit of what attracted to us as fans to Carson Wentz in the first place Uh, which is that he poses that threat. And I think defenses are starting to remember that he can be a threat that way. Um, I'm going to venture to say that moving forward, you can expect Carson to to rush at least four times a game, maybe five times a game. Um, I'm hoping it's going to be less, especially going down the stretch. And uh, if it's possible in a playoff run that we can sort of get that under control as some of the rest of the team gets healthy, but we are going to need another rushing option. And Jalen hurts is, in my opinion, still kind of being worked into the fold. We might bring him up later. Um, but if Miles Sanders isn't having a great game, like he wasn't against the 49ers, having Carson Wentz run the ball is just, again, a great threat to the defense. So moving to some of the people he was throwing. Go ahead, Andrew.
0: Yeah, real quick. I just, I, I wonder if if running the ball actually gives Carson a little bit more confidence. Maybe it settles him down a bit more. Um, look, he started off a little scary again uh, through his seventh pick of the year. Uh, I think it was on the second drive. It was, it seemed like another panicky decision, bit of a rush. He spun the wrong way, then spun in, kind of slid up into the pocket. It was deflected. It was picked. It was just, again, another kind of ugly, panicky type of thing. But I, that was the most egregious thing I think he did. He did settle down. And I wonder if him running and, you know, getting some contact and kind of getting into the game a little bit more, I wonder if that has um, a positive effect on him.
1: I I definitely think that it does. And I think, you know, that's a real bonehead pick too. And he did the exact same thing in the game against the Bengals where in the Bengals game, I know it was Carlos Dunlap just because he's so tall, but same situation against the Niners. The guy's got his hands up in Carson's face. Carson's waiting, trying to make a decision to throw. Finally does it, nicks off the guy's hand and winds up as an interception. So it was Mm -hmm. a complete bonehead play on his part. But to bounce back to what I said before and, and to talk about Carson bouncing back, I think he was able to sort of rebound from that as a really tough opening drive after the travel, after the rough start to the year, um, and sort of get to his targets and and make the plays that he needs to. I think the confidence does grow from that. And I wonder in that moment where someone's got his hands up over Carson, a a defensive lineman, and he's debating whether or not to throw the ball or not, that if he's able to sort of drop back, roll back uh, and, take off maybe for even a few yards or get back to the line of scrimmage, that there is a certain confidence there. And that Mm -hmm. um, despite the fact that he has an injury history, that that's something that his fans, we want to see that option come out. We don't want to see him forced into a situation where he knowingly makes a bad throw that deflects and is picked. Um, as fans, we could telegraph that. I don't know if you felt that way. I felt that way in the Cincinnati game. I felt that way this past Sunday against the Niners, that this is going to be an intercepted pass. It just had that look to it when the guy literally has his arms up in Carson's face and he's still deciding to try to throw it past him. There's
0: a bit of a feel when uh, at least these first few games of uh, a pick or a turnover coming, but I mean, they've well, been consistent. And they've I think the first or second series turnover pretty much every game. So,
1: and I think this is the personality of the player. Also, I think Carson Wentz is sure. more of the Brett Favre where he makes some goofy boneheaded, as I said, decisions, but then he makes plays that are electrifying. And I think you're going to find players like uh, more of a Russell Wilson who can pose the threat, running and throwing the ball, um, but is really consistent and really prides this game on consistency. Uh, I do think that Carson is not boom or bust, but certain, certainly uh, high risk and high reward. And some of those risks, obviously, early in the year here have not panned out, but he's been able to use his legs uh, to kind of expand, I think, his skill set and remind defenses of what he's capable of that way. A um, couple things about his receiving targets. I'll just mention Greg Ward continues to be a reliable target for him in games. And from a fan watching standpoint, uh, a reliable target to see on the field, you just assume it's going to be caught, probably go straight down afterward. But he's just got those short hands, a uh, completely different body type. But in terms of the way he's used, really reminds me of Jason Avant. Um mm-hmm. The other player I wanted to mention was John Hightower. And, I, and John Hightower, I think, only had two catches, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but he, he was thrown to in pretty critical situations, one of them being a fourth down. Um, and on a, a route that's, you know, I think difficult for a rookie to sort of get off, get a release, quickly catch the ball and, and get the yard if necessary. I'm um, seeing that relationship start to grow with him and Carson um, again, limited targets, but I think Hightower's role is going to start to grow, and it, it may be one of those situations where as he develops, Deshaun gets healthy and Rager comes back and, and it sort of gets damped down again, but I think he has an opportunity to show himself um, and, and has done in small doses so far. What do you think about John Hightower so far?
0: Yeah, um, I I know you love the guy, and, I, and he really has shown some um, uh, some signs of, of him being a, a dynamic receiver. Um, but what you just said, when Reger comes back, when Deshaun comes back, when Alshon gets back, he's not involved because then Greg Ward's your fourth, right? Um, and then Hightower, maybe he gets a handful of snaps a game, if any. Um, however, because of the injury history and because our wide receiving core is a uh, revolving door, he is a talent that you want to keep involved. And while I wish he would have maybe had more of an impact to this past game or, or the past few games, you can see it. Um, he's made some critical plays. Some, like you said, a big catch last game. He drew two pass interferences the, the game before that. So um, for a rookie uh, in a very weird offense um, and not dynamic offense, um, it is good to see him at least creating some Um, impactful plays so you know I I think they'll absolutely keep him around um, and and we'll see what he can do I'm not expecting much for the rest of the season but you never know who knows you know if Deshaun actually comes back if Alshon is comes back but then gets hurt again if you know Greg Ward seems like he's Greg Ward but he's not gonna you know bust open the game so I, I think there's opportunity here certainly for for Hightower to make an impact.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's a, a well put. And I think his his window is certainly now. I think he's been used mostly in these sort of crossers or just sort of quick slant plays uh, where Carson is just getting him the ball quickly. It's just nice to see some production from a fifth round wide receiver out of Boise State, um, and knowing that you know what we have with J.J. Arthago Whiteside, the injuries that have riddled uh, Deshaun, that the Eagles seem to have found something. In Hightower. And I think what they found is a developing talent. One thing I see is as soon as he gets hit, he goes down. He's just a really sort of slim body type. So I think if he's able to bulk up a little bit, I do think he has a skill set. And I think it's great as a fifth round pick, he's able to get some reps with Carson and hopefully start to build a little bit of rapport. I think to go to him on fourth down, that was a trust play. For sure. For sure. Um, so did you have something, Andrew? I know you were, you were, uh,
0: no, I was, you know, I was just looking at the snap counts, and um, I have to double check if this includes special teams. But um, his snap count was uh, 50 snaps versus Greg Ward's. That was 48 versus any other receiver that was 35 or below. So. I know that they like him involved um, and hopefully they, they keep him involved. And while that snap count will certainly go down as the wide receivers get healthy. Um, as you said, there's been a good rapport established seemingly um, in, in crucial situations. So, you know, if he can continue to get a handful of snaps, um, I think it can only, uh, you know, be better for, for his future success.
1: And they'll have to rely on him as well as, you know, people who uh, had to be pulled up from the practice squad. Um, And obviously there's different parameters with the practice squad and, and elevating players uh, in the COVID 2020 season this year. But one of those is Travis Fulgham who made probably the play of the game um, on second and 18 Carson Wentz drops back and throws really a dime. One of the nicest throws I think I've seen him uh, make in his tenure as an Eagle. Uh, And that's really not hyperbole. I think that was one of the best, um, I'm, I'm really reluctant to say this, but it was Nick and just in the, in the arc of the throw, just in the arc of the throw, uh, because it had that sort of, it was just a dime just dropped out of the sky. And normally Carson is more of the rocket arm, you know, even on long throws, it's got more of the narrow arc, um, but he dropped it right in at a crucial time. And this guy who was on the um, Lions practice squad was on the Um, I believe was a a draft pick of the Lions and then was on their practice squad on the Packers practice squad makes it to the Eagles practice squad and is elevated Um, and that play was repped uh, according to several sources just one time in practice and they were able to pull it off in this game Uh, and Fulgham's most impressive sort of um, the outcome from the play I thought was the most impressive or the most compelling was his ability to stay in bounds um, on a throw that was tough to catch and also in coverage that was pretty good by that defensive back. So encouraging things from Travis Fulgham. Uh, I think they probably will wind up because I think there's only so many times a player can be uh, elevated. I think him and Wentz seem to have a connection. He also made another great catch for, I think, 15 yards. So um he, he had some plays in this game. It seems like Wentz and him have a connection. Um, I think with all the issues at wide receiver this year, keep him around. Can't hurt, like John Hightower, um, but obviously coming from a, a different origin and, and striking a different sort of rapport with with Wentz. But uh, a highlight catch, really a highlight catch, and nice to see one really for the first time this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, when Carson has been overthrowing every one uh, of his receivers on those type of passes, he's been underthrowing short passes um, for that to be you know, a, a perfect pass, great catch. He even said, um, which was interesting, that when he turned around, he didn't locate the ball and it took him a second, like he didn't see it. He then looked up, found it, and then you know he kind of jumbled, you know, jungled uh, <laughs> juggled it uh, as he caught yeah. it, but he brought it down, secured it, and stayed in bounds, as you said, to get the touchdown. So he's a cool story. Um, you know, I think it was a walk on at Old Dominion. Um, you know, didn't have a, he wasn't highly uh, recruited, anything like that. Practice squad guy. Um, he's an Eagles receiver. He's an Eagles receiver, <laughs> which is, I don't know if that's a great thing, but he's got a cool story. And look, I, at this point, I don't think we care uh, who steps up, whether it's, whether it's Fulgham this game, if it's War next game, if it's Hightower eventually, um, you know, obviously you want to see your Sanders and your Earths come out to play, but, we're that's not our team right now we're trying to be gritty we're trying to deal with the situation at hand um and if it was fulgum that's awesome and if if next week against the steelers it's it's hightower that's awesome too so um it's it's cool and it was a you know dynamic play great play uh and you know game-changing play so
1: Yeah, and I wonder down the stretch, and you mentioned Miles and Ertz were not big factors in this game, and the offense sort of had to lean on the rest of its players. Miles goes 13 carries for 46 yards, Ertz four catches for just nine yards, one of which being a two-point conversion, that they really had to lean on some of these Other players, and I think going down the stretch, if the Eagles are able to, and we'll start to preview the uh, the game upcoming against the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, if the Eagles are able to stack another win on the road, uh, I think that Fulgham catch really starts to look like a, a turning point. Um, in the Eagles season. And I think one of the things we have to hit on before we leave the offense is the fact that Carson Wentz had a clean pocket to make that throw to Fulgham. um, And it was really provided by the fourth different iteration of the Eagles offensive line, uh, particularly with Jordan Mailata, the rugby player turned offensive lineman at left tackle, who, as Andrew and I mentioned right before the podcast, all but for a, a really awful false start penalty, which it was he had a really great game. He was able to hold up, uh, you know, his size, his grit. I mean, there was one play that I think about, um, it must've been a linebacker comes up to him and he just kind of shoved him, looked like a casual thing and the guy went flying. I mean, just reminds you how big uh, Maillotta is. And I started to think if Jordan Maillotta is the new left tackle for the Eagles and if he can come on and really play um, as a player who's learning the sport and all that sort of thing, you know, with all the Jason Peters drama, with everything else, I think I'm okay with that especially if he can learn to play and have those sorts of performances. I think his size does so much for him without technique, you know, sort of agnostic of the game, but I think this was a big spot to be in on the road at a pivotal position in the sport. And he really stepped up and made plays, not just him, but also Jack Driscoll uh, as Andrew and I were trying to figure out coming in three or four different times uh, for Elaine Johnson, who was suffering uh, with his ankle still after having had surgery just back in August. So um, really a, a turnstile again at uh not so much in the pass rush sense, but more so in the revolving door sense, like Andrew said earlier about the wide receivers, that the offensive line has taken on that form as well this year. And um, I was really impressed with my uh, very impressed with Driscoll again stepping in, mostly just because of consistency, not because of any one play. Um, mm-hmm. but something I want to see moving forward. Uh, is the run game be able to develop behind that line. And I think the more that there's changing parts and changing players and shuffling spots, the harder it is for for backs to get yardage. So to me, that's something I'm hoping to see this week and hoping that the Eagles have practiced some of that this week and getting their O-line set up uh, to get Miles Sanders some yards and and create some holes there. So just wanted to touch on that briefly before we talk about the Eagles defense, which was really prolific uh, in this game. Five sacks if I'm not mistaken. Five sacks. Derek Barnett made Trent Williams look like an amateur. Uh, uh, Javon Hargrave comes in and uh, clearly is getting more comfortable in the system, started making some plays. I saw 93 flashing a lot. Uh, as, as plays went by on defense. But to me, the one that stuck out most was Jannard Avery, who I described to Andrew as looking like a missile flying through um, the offensive line toward the quarterback, just extreme speed there. But I think this D line starting to come together. Andrew, what do you think?
0: Yeah. And at had a great time too. Right. Um, and, and when the Eagles have had successful seasons in the past, Yes, the have has, you know, gelled a little bit better, but it's been driven by a dominant defensive line, um, especially one that can rotate in. And now we're starting to see that. We're starting to see that it's not just four guys. It's it's six, seven, eight guys. You have the Jannard Averys. You have Hassan Ridgeway, uh, Josh Swett, Malik Jackson. You know, these guys are winning battles and winning them all the time. Um, but, yeah, Jannard Avery, what a game, right? Um, we've seen flashes. Breakout. With- yeah, we've seen flashes before, but he stepped up. He had a sack, I believe. But then he also had the um he had a couple QB hits and the one that um, rocked Mullins enough where he underthrew and McLeod picked it off. So you right. know, and we haven't had a defensive turnover in some time. And um, you know, I think it was looking a little scary when Hargrave was hurt early on, when Hargraves was hurt and Vinnie Curry went down and um Fletcher wasn't as dominant you know how many podcasts have we talked about we're waiting to see the Fletch where, you know we need him to be dominant but you know he's getting doubled almost every time and now these guys are winning their one-on-one battles you said it Barnett you know dominated Trent Williams one-on-one a few times um but when our defensive line rolls, you know I think we as a team uh, start to roll, and it, it certainly makes up for our weak linebacking core. And look, our you know it, maybe it masks our secondary a bit. Um, you know, we we I, I think they outpassed us by a hundred, hundred fifty yards, but something like uh, that, yeah. It, Either way, um, yeah, you have to give it up for the for the defensive line here. They're, um, I think they have 33 QB hits and 13 sacks in the last two weeks. So, yes, they're against the Bengals and yes, they're against the 49ers. Both have, you know, semi-depleted uh, offensive lines, but every team is dealing with that right now, and we're dealing with it. And so that I, that's not an excuse anymore to me. Um, while it could be the situation, it doesn't matter. You still on game day have to step up. Um, and you're seeing Fletch do it. You're seeing Brandon Graham do it. But you're also seeing, as I said, the Malik Jacksons, the, the Hassan Ridgeways, the the Jannard Averys. So I love the rotation that they have going. I love the pressure that they're um, you know putting on the on the quarterbacks. And they're going to need to do that uh, certainly against Ben Roethlisberger next week.
1: Absolutely. And we'll touch on that uh, coming up here. The D-line will need another strong performance against the Steelers, but being able to sort of spread it around the D-line um, with five total sacks, Derek Barnett has half of a sack. Josh Sweat has a sack. Hassan Ridgeway has a sack. Jannard Avery has a sack. Um, Javon Hargrave has half a sack. I think that's the one shared with Barnett. I mean, you see this ability for other teams to sort of target Fletcher Cox, target, Brandon Graham as sort of the focal points of the defense and some of these other guys making plays, as Andrew mentioned, it's really encouraging. And it's, I find the defense just very fun to watch. Uh, I've had more fun this year watching the defense. We had a conversation in a podcast a while back of, you know, if you can put one more unit on the field uh, for a last drive of a game, you know, in a, a sort of do or die situation. Who would you put out there? And I, I said defense, and I'm going to stick by it. Uh, I really think that they're just such an exciting unit to watch. And I, I think what we're watching now is them getting a little bit more comfortable uh, with each other and and how to sort of play off of each other. When the Fletcher Coxes and Brandon Grams are always going to wind up getting a little bit more attention from the offensive line. So that's touching a little bit on the defensive line, which is definitely going to have to have a big game against. Big Ben uh, this week out in Pittsburgh, but got a hit on the Alex Singleton pick. Uh, finally, a linebacker makes a play. Now, before we get into it, as Sandra as and I have touched on, uh, it, it really was thrown right to him. Um, and if it wasn't thrown to him, if you watch the play again, Jalen Mills was lined up right behind him to catch it and take it to the house as well. So um, just a really poor throw, but he made the play. He made the play. He ran it back for the touchdown. And to me, he made a bunch of plays where he was sort of running down Uh, running backs and and being a big impact in the run game where I just saw Alex Singleton and thought this guy has it he he's not the most skilled player but he has what it takes to be out there and I haven't felt that one time about watching Nate Gary Jerry Barry whatever his name is (laughs) since he's been out there and it's you know, no fault of his own. He's just not talented enough. I think Singleton is not the most refined player, but he was exciting to watch in this game. And you could tell his energy sort of leads him to make plays, um, even though he's, as I said, a little bit rough and tumble when you watch him out there coming from the, the CFL. But um, that's my feeling. I think if he's capable of, of calling plays, which I think is the biggest hurdle, um, I'd love to see what he could do in place of Nateri.
0: Yeah, look, I think we're looking for any linebacker to, to step up and, and make some plays. Um, if, if Nathan Gary, Barry Jerry is the bar, then hopefully that should be easily uh, uh, jumped over. But he had a good game. Um, the pick was obviously a, a, a crucial play in the game. Um, I'm just glad he caught it and um yeah we'll see if he if he gets more snaps if, if they game plan him more um who knows but i think at this point like we talked about with the offense a little bit and the wide receiving core um i'm sure on the defensive side they're they're looking for people to step up and if it's singleton then you know next man up you're up let's let's do it so you know i don't know if he'll take snaps away from from nathan but um I think uh, he showed enough to be involved, or to to get more snaps, or a- as many snaps as he at least did uh, this game. So you know, yeah, and some it, of those coming. Mistake.
1: Yeah, and some of those coming from T.J. Edwards, uh, undrafted free agent from last year, um, having been hurt in this game and now uh, having gone on IR. I think Singleton will wind up playing probably alongside Jerry rather than in his place. But uh, I feel good about it. I mean, I wish, I wish TJ Edwards were out there also cause he's a little bit of a bigger body. Um, but it's, it's nice to see a linebacker make a play. And it's, it's good to know that there are those ball skills. I mean, you know, Nigel Bradham, I can remember last year and the year prior having picks hit him in the hands and him not being able to come up with it. Um, and this was one of those moments in the game where you, as a fan, said the Eagles are going to win this game. You just had that sort of feeling in your gut. Another one of those plays for me right before the Travis Fulgham, uh, excellent catch down the sideline. Um, Cravon LeBlanc, who I mentioned in our last podcast, uh, was able to come up with a huge strip sack. So uh, to me, part of this is Craven and his hunger and his uh, ability as a player, but I have to go back to Schwartz and we touched on this at the end of last podcast, the fact that he was willing to be more aggressive, use more blitzing and, and especially sort of creative pressure on a backup quarterback, like uh, Nick Mullins. I saw that as a pivotal play in the game, obviously leading to the touchdown, but just in terms of momentum, you could, that was another one of those moments where you thought it's starting to swing the Eagles way.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, and look, I think we, you know, uh, we've seen Craven make some plays in the secondary, you know, um, whether it's tackling or, or deflecting a pass or just defending one. Um, but this was good to see uh, a little bit of an in, inside blitz uh, off the left side. I think it was, and I think he went to strip it, maybe missed it, maybe doinked it with his with his helmet. Either way, it was a great play. Came um, loose. Yeah, came loose. Um, and, and again, it was another, another moment that the defense made a dynamic play and it, it has that feeling when the, again, when the Eagles defense is going, especially the defensive line, but we're creating turnovers, we're getting, you know, we're making plays. Um, that's, what's going to help us succeed. So, uh, another good effort by the D, especially Crave on there. Um, and let's, let's, you know, he, he's in there now. He's going to be playing yep. a lot. So he's going to be called yep. on for those types of plays. Um, so let's, let's hopefully we, we, we continue to see
1: it. I know there's lots of firepower up front and we've highlighted it tonight, but that corner blitz is a fun play and it it's seems very successful for the Eagles to me. Yeah. Uh, not all the time, obviously, but I've seen it be successful. I've even seen them use safety blitzes with McLeod that were successful. So I say to Jim, keep being creative, especially in games on the road uh, against you know a, a quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger, who they're going to be facing this week, a savvy veteran. Um, having gone to school uh, at the University of Pittsburgh and, and seeing a lot of Steelers football, I think the one thing that I always think about Big Ben is he is hard to take down, even with a talented defensive line. My hope is the Eagles have it spread around so well and with so much rotation that uh, they're able to throw a lot at him. But the secondary is going to need to cover Uh, against a quarterback who can hold the ball for a while and allow his playmakers uh, to make plays. So um, the wide receiver core is very strong. They have, uh, I think it's Deontay Johnson, um, Chase Claypool, some younger players, Juju Smith-Schuster. The, the real, Attributes I think about there is the yak ability and and the tendency of the Eagles to not be the best tackling team and the fact that they're going to need to do that uh, to sort of limit. I think some of these players are going to get their yards, but really being able to sort of limit how much they're able to get after the catch. I think Juju Smith-Schuster uh, and and Chase Claypool, I almost said less Claypool uh, came <laughs> come to mind when I think about players who could do damage in the receiving game. Um, they have a very strong run game with uh, James, James Connor and Benny Snell, a player uh, who actually wanted the Eagles to pick up uh, back when he was in the draft, Um, just tough. um, Both of them sort of receiving threats in, in the uh, screen game bubble game and things like that. So a lot of threats posed on offense uh, and not the least of which is uh, Vance McDonald and Eric Ebron at tight end who uh, are both very sizable tight ends and against, the Eagles linebackers and safeties who have been an issue this year. I have my concerns there. So that's a little bit laying out what the Steelers have to offer. Um, Andrew, when you think about the Steelers offense, what are some matchups that really your mind goes to first?
0: It's a good question because I feel like the Steelers offense is kind of, uh, uh, as you said, you you threw out all these names. They're very versatile. versatile. Um, And on any given Sunday for them, somebody steps up. And they have a lot of talent. And Big Ben, you know, have your opinions uh, about him. He is a, a savvy veteran and a consistent veteran. And he puts people in the right spots to succeed. So, um, look, uh, matchups, obviously, anybody against our linebackers is going to be an issue. Um, so, does Eric Ebron, um, you know, break out a little bit? Maybe – uh, Chase Claypool, who you said is built like a, you know, a, a tight end. Does he, does he break out? I don't know. I know anybody against Darius Slay will be shut down, but that's, you know, again, if it's Juju for one play, then Deontay might be open. And if it's Deontay one play, Juju might be open. So they're, they're a dynamic offense. And I will say that um, while they are three and um, the teams that they beat are a combined one and eleven. Uh, and they haven't blown these teams out. They beat the Giants week one by ten. Uh, they beat the Texans, I think, by six. And um, I'm drawing a blank on the on the other team. I think maybe the Broncos. It was. Uh, they beat them by six or seven points. So it's not like they've been dominant, but they've been certainly efficient and effective. So I think our D line is going to need to eat for sure. Um, but it's really going it, to. This game's going to be. Um, decided in the secondary so you're going to need the safeties to step up Jalen mills kayvon wallace who you know uh bit off a little bit more than he could chew against kittle a few times last week he's going to need to step up um and i think that's where it's going to be uh decided because we're good against the run connor is good benny snell is good but i think we could contain them um it's the it's the secondary i think that's going to really need to step up here against the wide receivers.
1: Yeah, and the size of the wide receivers being concerned. You know, I think with Avante Maddox being hurt, probably the shortest corner, Cravon has a little bit more size uh, and played a good game, I thought, last week on the outside. But, you know, the, the Eagles' um, defensive backs, I mean, Darius Slay is, is a little bit bigger. Craven is a bigger player, but not all that tall, that they have a sort of, the Steelers have a natural height advantage, which I think Ben likes to throw those type of uh, like competitive catches. And I think uh, if they're in a situation where they have to make 50 50, uh, defensive plays um, I think that'll be a different kind of test for them whether it's a wide receiving core doing it uh, or the tight ends but something that comes to my mind uh, like I said having gone to school out of Pitt and and hearing about Steelers fans talk about uh, Pouncy, who was such a great center for them for such a long time I see that they're starting a guy at center named JC Hassenauer. that's who I see is they're starting tight end am I right or, I'm sorry they're starting center um, who's a, uh, been playing for a year He's out of Alabama. I think it's up the middle that the Eagles need to create a lot of pressure. Um, I think that they're going to be in a situation where Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson, Javon Hargrave can create the type of pressure that they have been this year. um, That it would be really imperative for them to get the pressure uh, on Big Ben, and that I think uh, if the pressure is coming up the middle, we might see them uh, able to create more sacks instead of it coming off the edge and and Ben being able to sort of shake uh, defenders free as he has. Almost his whole career. So that's a big matchup to me is that sort of center of their offensive line yeah. versus the Eagles defensive tackles.
0: Yeah. And you just said it right there. Ben's his capability, right? You know, he's so comfortable in the pocket. He he's so big still. Um, is he slow? Sure. But is he is he big? Is he physical? Is he, you know, savvy enough to to shake um uh in inbounds defensive linemen? Yeah, very much so. So while um I think the pressure will be up. Um, as we've seen, I think he's able to get out of those those tough situations better than, you know, a Mullins or uh, a rookie Burrow. So, um, yeah, that'll be interesting to see what what we can do. And I don't know if we blitz a little bit more. Those corner blitzes like we were just talking about, does Cravon or Mills come off the side a little bit more t- this, next week? I don't know. We'll have to see. It'd Plus. be
1: nice to see. And, and in addition to those question marks sort of from more of a roster standpoint is, you know, Obviously, Alex Singleton will be pressed into action with TJ Edwards being hurt, not playing over Nate Gary, but probably alongside him. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had a rotation of Kayvon Wallace and and Marcus Epps playing last game at safety alongside Rodney McLeod. I I think that they need to start to look as they've uh, gotten to the point now, you know, a quarter of the way through this season to solidify those spots so that they know sort of who they have in place and how to use them. Um, so that part of it to me is something I'm going to be watching is, is it still uh, sort of a rotation or is it something where those, those positions are becoming more stable? Um, something I really want to see is Fletcher Cox showing up on the stat sheet. I think mm-hmm. when he's able to do that, um, you know, and obviously he is being doubled a lot of the time, but there are players who are starting to show up that should take some attention away from him. And I really want to see him uh, break out and, and make an impact. I know when the Eagles played the Steelers um, back in, 2016, um, Fletch did have a great game against uh, the middle of the Steelers offensive line. And I think he stands to do the same in this game. So I'd love to see him show up uh, on the stat sheet. Um, But I think, you know, given the fact that uh, Jalen Mills is playing on the outside, uh, Darius Slay on the other side, I think they're going to be tested in a way that they haven't really quite been tested this year. T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, and AJ Green are, are definitely a test, but I think um, the, when I think about the Steelers wide receiving core, as well as their tight ends, it's just a more polished veteran group, uh, with a lot more skill in my opinion. So I think they might be, um, really put to the test for the first time. And I think this might lead us into player of the game for, for the defensive side for the Eagles. But, um, for me, I'm going to say it's Darius Slay because I think Juju Smith-Schuster is probably the player he'll be on a lot of the time, um, probably viewed as their number one Um, And I think he will be put to the test in this game, especially in terms of Juju's ability to just run all game long and just kind of wear Slay out as a, as a player reaching his thirties now, but I'm going to say Slay is my defensive player of the game going into this week against um, the Steelers, mostly because I think the, uh, Eagles defensive line will create pressure on Ben. I just think his knack is to be able to avoid that pressure until the last second uh, and sort of make those frustrating dump-off plays or even plays deep downfield. And it's going to take uh, longer periods of coverage for the corners uh, on the outside as well as in the slot to really be successful this week. So I'll go with Darius Slay for my defensive player. Andrew, based on what we talked about, who you're going to go with for your defensive player of the game?
0: Yeah, I'm thinking the same type of thing, but I'm thinking Cravon is, is the uh, the player of the game um as we just I had the about. lightning
1: from the last game yeah yeah
0: and what was his quote last week the he's when 34 uh, his number's called he's 34
1: 30. 34 always answers when his number is called and you can't put a bottle cap on how far i'll spread these wings
0: yeah well he's going to spread these wings all over the steelers
1: so <laughs> coach, coach. that's that um, uh, man I hope you're right. He had a great, great game last week. He's yeah. an impactful player. He seems to make he a play.
0: He can be, and he's going to be very involved this game. Um, you're going to see his name a lot, hopefully more positive than not. But um, just like you, you think Slay's got to step up and shut it down. Craven on the opposite side has got to do the same thing. So um, uh, hopefully another turnover that would be excellent, but I think he's got to do um, – but he's not going to shut anybody down the way that slay can in terms of like catches and yards. But um, if he can bend, not break type of game, and then uh, a dynamic play um, player too, I think, uh, I think you're going to see that. Um, And he needs to, honestly, he's, he's key to, uh, to our chances of, of winning against the Steelers. So. Absolutely. Um, he's my, he's my guy. He's
1: my guy. Let's not leave out uh, just on the side there, Jalen Mills having bumped back to corner that there seemed to be, you know, some uh, Craven playing in the slot, uh, Jalen being on the outside, Slay being on the opposite side. There seems to be, you know, Nickell Ruby Coleman being mixed in. It seems like Schwartz is looking at the package at one point. I saw four linebackers on the field at the same time. It seems like depending on what the offense is putting out there, if they need size, if they need a few more, defensive backs on the field that they're willing to go there if they need to so uh, let's hope that Jalen Mills can also hold up I think this is his type of receiving core obviously Juju has that speed but Mm -hmm. we assume Slay will be guarding him I think Mills is a gritty tough player who can make plays against someone like Claypool um, and hopefully will especially when it comes to the red zone where Ben is really efficient uh, but let's flip over and talk a little bit about um, the Eagles' offense and uh, the, their opposition, the Steelers' defense. Now, kind of chief among that is uh, T.J. Watt, their linebacker who was injured today and JJ. did not practice. T.J.
0: Oh, T.J. <laughs> brother of J.J. That's right.
1: Brother of J.J. And then their <laughs> other brother, whose name first name escapes me, is I think a safety on the on the Steelers, if I'm not mistaken. But he he, I don't think he. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know how much defense he plays. He might be more of a special teams guy. But yeah. um, that T.J. Watt was injured today, did not practice. Um, you know, the, the Steelers have T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, uh, Cameron Hayward. Um, they also have um, Devin Bush at linebacker. You know, they, they mm-hmm. pose some threats for sure. Um, but when we talk about the lines, you know, and, and having mentioned Jordan Maialata stepping in and playing great against the Niners, he's facing some different competition here and some really athletic rushers. Um, and in a 3-4 scheme, so uh, I think that's a matchup I'm, I'm going to be kind of watching closely. I have a little bit of um, concern about the idea of Jack Driscoll starting the game and maybe the pressure coming from the right side, but you know, the Eagles have each game so far this year. I think they're going to need to really figure that out hopefully this week in practice because the Steelers defensive line is going to bring it for sure.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if, if T.J. Watt is somebody that you um you can stop entirely like a like an aaron donald that we've it's done that a few times oh christopher i think we might be on a little bit of a delay here i can kind of hear you though all right you're probably going to zone or not zone out zoom out um so while you get your connection figured out um oh, do we got you back
1: Yes, sir. Sorry oh, about
0: that. Quick recovery. Nice. Yeah. Very yeah, so, quick. <laughs> so, so, yeah, TJ Watt is, is a dominant player. Um, and uh, I, I think where we can win against uh, the Steelers defense is the fact that they, they have blitzed more than any team so far this season. Um, so that exposes their, their linebackers, their secondary, and maybe there's some room for some quick passes that way. And maybe that's how you're going to beat him. Um, because I don't, I'd love to see my lot to, uh, you know, contain him. Um, but they've got good players on the line as well. And Lane Johnson, if he can stay healthy, you know, if, if they switch sides or if, if TJ switches sides, then, um, maybe he can help out. But, uh, I think that's where we're going to win if we can contain the defensive rushes, that's great. But I think we need to adjust and understand that they blitz very frequently. They're very fast. And if we can, you know, adjust the game plan, if Doug can call us, you know, I I thought he called a pretty good game against the 49ers. It felt a little bit, felt a little bit more like the Doug of old, where you mixed in some, it, it felt balanced. You mixed in some, some different plays and you tried a few things, but it did feel like there was at least, a direction um, rather than a guessing game. Um, I think if if you see that out of Doug, um, I think you can expose the defense um, what they give you. Will T.J. Watt get a couple sacks? Maybe, um, but I think that's kind of expected. It's how do you how do you win um, against that? And I think you do that with exposing the blitz with quick passes slants and
1: um, I don't know. Hopefully,
0: we can Bring and what?
1: And the screen game, hopefully. I mean, I think that yeah, they're, they're yeah. also, you know, the Steelers are also a good run defense. So I think it's worth saying that, you know, Miles Sanders coming off of, um, I wouldn't say a down week, but not his normal performance, that they might need to lean on the bubbles and the screens and things like that.
0: I will say, though, Chris, like the, the screen game has not worked at all this season. Um,
1: it and, really and, hasn't. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, I, I would agree that that's how you, that's kind of how you beat this, but they don't have that. And to keep going back to the well that that is dried up like I, I don't know I, I, I don't I, see, think- I don't see that happening while I wish it I was. don't
1: I, well, and I think it's one of those things where I don't really foresee it either. And I don't know if it's really based on the scheme, if it's based on the timing, if it's based on the personnel Um, to me, that's where a Boston Scott becomes a really valuable player Mm. to me. Um, And I wonder if maybe they will try something like that this week um, to, to get him involved and try to utilize some of that, because I think you're right. And I think they're going to throw a lot at Wentz uh, to see how he reacts because it's been a mixed bag uh, in 2020 for him so far. So I think, you know, Tomlin is a defensive coach. Um, I think he'll yep. look to this game as a way to get pressure on Wentz, force him to make bad decisions, uh, force him to try to, to um, risk plays and, and put balls in the hands of people that he's not you know as familiar with and doesn't have as good a rapport with. And that the Steelers' defense on the back end is also very strong with uh, veterans like Joe Hayden on the outside and Minka Fitzpatrick, who they traded mm-hmm. a first-round pick to the Dolphins for. Um, you have to figure Joe Hayden is going to be – you know, either with Ward or Hightower, he's another traveling player. Um, So he's going to be with one of those guys He might be on Ertz here and there, Minka Fitzpatrick in the middle of the field, creating problems for Ertz and for Sanders to get production. Um, I I mean, I think this is going to be one of those games where you see Doug create long drives to wear out the Steelers defense. And I think he would be wise to do that Mm -hmm. because I think this will be a long game on Sunday. Um, I think it's going to be one of those where we see kind of old school football And hopefully a lot of running the ball, but I think if Doug is really um, putting this thing together well, we're seeing longer drives where the Steelers defense stays on the field a long time, gets worn out, um, and then the Eagles are able to punch in and and sort of make good uh, on their drives, not just with field goals, but with touchdowns. Um, but when we talk about the Eagles offense, they're really working with pretty much the same wide receiving core as last week. The injuries have rendered them uh, without Deshaun Jackson, still without Alshon Jeffrey. It uh, does look like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside will come back, but his impact has been nil <laughs> so far as a second-round pick in 2019. So uh, anytime now, J.J., anytime. Just any old time you want to do something. Is, at
0: is, all. This, is this the week? Is this J.J.'s week? i
1: i wonder i mean i think as fans who are dedicated and and watch enough to know uh and believe in the eye test which i think most of us do on this podcast um it's just not there for me with jj and i think it's it's not there now in many more ways than it was before but if he's going to go ahead let it happen let me see something uh to let me to believe because he's in a position now probably that puts him uh, more eligible to do something than ever because, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, eventually Alshon comes back, Deshaun comes back, Jalen Rager comes back, and they assume all those uh, top wide receiver spots. So um, I think the wide receiver core built something last game, and I think Carson seems to thrive when he has sort of no-name receivers. Hopefully, Fulgham can make a play or two for him. I know Greg Ward will continue to. I think Ertz is going to be hard-pressed. It's going to be on. We're going to need a play from Hightower or JJ, to be honest. I think things are going to be that tight where it's going to be the difference of maybe one pass over the middle or one jump all in the end zone. To to really kind of take it there. But something Andrew and I mentioned before uh, is the screen game and and that being an extension of the run game that Miles Sanders wasn't really able to get going uh, last game. And that Andrew and I feel a little discouraged about the Eagles' run game sort of living and dying with the performance of Miles Sanders and that they don't really have another player that can step in and be productive. Uh, Corey Clement and Miles Sanders, I'm sorry, and Boston Scott really not producing that much in the run game this year. Um, do you think that Miles is able to sort of get back on the mount this weekend and, and put together a good game, or do you think he's going to be hard-pressed to come by those yards on the ground?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a tough defense for him to, to kind of bounce back. Um, I was surprised uh, that he struggled as much as he did against the 49ers. Um, I, I don't see him breaking out, certainly, this game. I don't see them going – you know, giving him more than 13 to 15 carries that Doug hasn't done that. Um, He tried to, you know, he put Jalen in, I think for three or four plays. Um, He put that guy Killens in for, you know, five or six snaps, which was interesting. One play that I think lost 12 yards that certainly didn't work, but I, you know, you saw him trying to mix it up. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think we're still waiting for, we've talked about this a few times. We're still waiting for that 20 to 22, maybe 25 carries a game for Sanders, but it's just not there. And I think they're adjusting and figuring out and, you know, at at this point they're, they're just trying to win games. And it seems scrappy and gritty as we keep talking about and ugly. And, um, you know, I, no, I don't think this is a breakout game at all for, for, uh, for Sanders at, by any means but if you can still make some of those dynamic plays like I think he had a catch for about 20 yards 28 yards was it um it
1: was so that whole, was kind of a screen
0: yeah kind of a screen uh you know up the side sideline a little bit um you know maybe a couple of those more than you know you're going to see the the eight ten yard rushes, um but you know yeah, yeah I think
1: they're gonna They'll have to grind it out for any yards in this game on the ground. I'm, I'm 100% yeah. in agreement with you. I, I think something I want to see from Sanders is not just the short receiving game, but I want to see him in the long receiving game. Miles mm. made big plays last year against Detroit downfield, against Minnesota downfield. Um, I think he can do that kind of thing. And I. I think if he's slated to break out at all in this game, it's probably in the receiving game because he is a great receiver. He puts good moves on uh, DBs and linebackers and things like that. And I think because of sort of the nature of this defense, the nature of the, the Steelers coach, I think they're going to look to get after Wentz. And I don't know that, that the run game will really be able to thrive. Um, but if it does, I think the Eagles are going to win this game. I mean, I think if they can get the run game going, that's going to really speak volumes to, to sort of the production of the rest of the offense. Go ahead, Andrew.
0: Yeah, it does. It's a great point because it does seem once or twice a game uh, so far this season. Miles has gotten open on a deep route, Mm -hmm. whether it's a wheel route down the sideline or something. But he has been open. And quite frankly, Carson's missed him a a bunch of times. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that's where he breaks breaks through. Um, Yeah, I don't I don't see them doing much on the ground while I wish and hope that they they don't get discouraged early and they still try to commit to it because it's part of a balanced game plan. And I think it needs to happen. Um, You know, I don't see it so much on the ground, but yeah, let's, let's get one of those, those game breaker plays.
1: And and I think if it's a grinder where you're getting two or three yards at a time, still run the ball, Doug, still set that tone, because I think, holding the ball and, and possessing on the road against the Steelers is going to be another big factor in getting a win. So Andrew, when you look at the scope of things and we're going to get to predictions here, but first talking about an offensive player of the game for the Eagles, who do you see, you know, really kind of shining in this game? Um,
0: yeah, this is a, uh, this is a tough one. Cause I keep, uh, I keep going back and forth and um I don't like picking offensive linemen for my offensive player of the game. It should be somebody, you know, that's going to score a touchdown or get some yardage, but I think (laughs) any, anybody that's guarding TJ, uh, TJ Watt, this game is going to be the offensive player of the game. Um, You got to shut him down. Mm -hmm. He, he wreaks havoc. And I think if you can at least neutralize him, um, you've got a chance. You give yourself a chance You give Carson a chance. So, you know, call it Malata, call it, you know, tight end chipping, call it Lane, you know, wherever. Um, let's let's give the offensive player of the game to anybody that shuts TJ White down. Who are you thinking?
1: I'm actually thinking because of the sort of, again, the tight nature kind of of this game, I think that uh, Zach Ertz will probably be shut down as an option. I see Greg Ward having a big day, maybe like a geez, maybe like an eight catch day or something like that. I think you could have that kind of day where Carson is just looking for intermediate short throws and he's looking for that reliable target. Um, so I see Greg Ward having a, a pretty decent day. I also see maybe one play where uh, he gets open a little bit downfield, not burning somebody, just sort of you know, maneuvers his way. I, I see him as a crafty receiver. Uh, I mentioned Jason Avant earlier. Jason Avant held a position with the Eagles this training camp as an assistant wide receiver coach. And apparently him and Greg Ward really bonded. Um, and I think over probably their sh- sort of shared role uh, in the offenses that they they were in with the Eagles. But uh, I see him as the offensive player of the game this week. I think he's going to have a really good performance um, and maybe maybe a, a nice little a little tutty to seal the game. We'll see. Let's but, get him uh, a touchdown. He, he deserves one. He does. He had that one against Cincinnati on the yep. sort of uh, defensive breakdown, but I'd love to see him just sort of get free in the end zone. I think about that play against the Redskins last year where he elevated over Josh Norman, you know, formerly a great corner and, and made a great play. So well, I Norman think he's a gamer. He's a, he's got that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the that's yeah. competition, but I, he, he elevated and he made a play when it needed to happen. I think uh, he's yeah. got that dog mentality and leader mentality as a former quarterback. So those are offensive players of the game. Let's talk a little bit about some predictions. So Sunday, one o'clock, the Eagles will be traveling to Pittsburgh who will be having uh, a small portion of their stadium filled with about 6,000 or 6,500 fans, something like that. Um, so it will be a little bit of a different dynamic in terms of having some uh, fans in the stands. But Andrew, how do you see this game? Eagles one, two, and one at the top of the NFC East traveling to Pittsburgh to play uh, big Ben and uh, Mike Tomlin and the boys. What are you thinking?
0: Yeah, this is a tough one because um you know, uh, I, I believe the line, I've, I've seen about seven or eight were dogs again. Um, the Steelers are not the 49ers, but I don't believe that they are as good as people think they are. I think they have their, their pain points and struggles. Um, I still believe that this is going to be a very tough game for the birds to win. Um, they did not look all that sharp, um, very pedestrian numbers from Carson last week we were able to put things together and the defensive line will certainly be the, I think the difference maker. Um, however, I I don't see us going up there and getting a win. Um, I think it's ugly. I think it's, you know, gritty as we said, but I think ultimately, um, I think we fall and I think it's, you know, like a, uh, 16 to to 23. I think we lose kind of a weird score, low scoring, couple field goals. Maybe if we go for a two point conversion, um you know I think maybe it's it seems like it's there at the end but yeah I I I have us falling here unfortunately how are you how are you feeling about it as a Pittsburgh uh college native well um, I gotta tell you
1: (laughs) I gotta tell you there's probably some juice out there for this game because they they hate the Eagles out there as much as we you know can't stand Pittsburgh more in the hockey sense here but um I think that uh the Eagles are in a
0: That Chris, you're
1: they're coming off of a buy. Um, Wait, essentially, sorry, Chris, not, can
0: you, can you start that thought over again? You ping ponged a little bit,
1: sure. Um, for a number of reasons, this is a tough spot for the hmm. Eagles, is what I was saying. Yeah, and I think the primary thing that comes to my mind is that they're coming off of a buy, having. A game last week, they were scheduled to play the Tennessee Titans, who have had several positive COVID cases now, and were sort of forced to take a bye this past week. Um, And in addition to that, the Steelers are a healthy team with all of their weapons. The Eagles a depleted team, at least on offense, uh, for most of their weapons. Um, The other fear I have is that savviness that we talked about from uh, Big Ben and his ability to escape even a very diverse as we highlighted tonight, Eagles defensive line uh, and pass rush. Um, I got to go with the Steelers 23, the Eagles 20. I think this is a close one um, that the Eagles are just not able to pull out, unfortunately. Um, But I think we still see a good game from Carson, uh, uh, you know, a a solid performance from the defense where they are able to put some pressure. I just think there's something about the combination of Mike Tomlin as a really solid coach who's never had a losing record Mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh and Ben, uh, and his ability to sort of escape the rush. Um, the one caveat I'll say is that if I think if Fletcher Cox has a really big game this weekend, I think the Eagles will win this game. And I know it's, I, I feel like I'm flip-flopping, but I, I will say, I think if he, if he's able to, I'm still going with a loss for the Eagles, but I think if Fletcher Cox is able to, to make plays this weekend, uh, I think that will be the difference maker, because I think the center of the Steelers offensive line seems inexperienced. And I think there's a potential advantage there uh, where if they can get that pressure up the middle at Big Ben, that maybe he won't be able to escape as, as he had pretty much throughout his career. But Andrew and I are both thinking a loss this week, which would sink the Eagles to one, three and one. Um, I'm not even sure who the Cowboys play could, this week could still long.
0: be good for first place.
1: Right. Could still be in the NFC least. Um, And certainly we, you know, we hope that as the weeks draw on here, that the Eagles are able to get get back some of their injured players who would be weapons, uh, which they'll desperately need in games coming up against teams like Baltimore, New Orleans, Seattle, uh, and Green Bay. So unfortunately Andrew and I both foreseeing a loss this week for the Eagles out in Pittsburgh, but we'll hope for better. And certainly uh, we'll be overjoyed. Andrew, how did it feel to see them win the game having predicted a loss? Was there anything there for you?
0: I felt you know, great. Like,
1: I even, nice. Yeah, good. Well, I figured as much, but I had to ask just because, you know, I think when we're predicting, we're all Eagles fans amongst this podcast, but it's one of those things we're trying to be realistic, and um, it's like they did it, you know. I, that hey, was my feeling last week.
0: Look, I think ultimately I put my money uh, on the line, and I took I took the uh, the points in the birds, so it
1: was uh, <laughs> no. But that aside, yeah. Well played.
0: Well play. <laughs> Yeah, I'm always I'm always pumped when we win
1: um, absolutely and I think that's what we're all looking for this week I think there is uh, some more optimism I'll say even against a team like the Steelers who are healthy coming off of a bye with tons of receiving threats yeah. and offensive and defensive weapons there's some sort of optimism um, and I think that that line is inflated you know you mentioned I think six and a half or seven I'm looking at a seven point line here in the ESPN app yeah I think, it's um, so I think that is kind of an inflated line and I think um, the you know, presence of being at home in front of 6,500 fans. I'm not sure how much that moves the needle. Um, But by the same token, Andrew and I have both said uh, that the Eagles will lose this game, sink into one, three, and one. We hope not, but we'll get together next week and break it down as well as their upcoming game against Baltimore. Andrew, nice job tonight. Hopefully we have the full roster next week. We hope Andrew, I'm sorry, Matt and Mike are both feeling a little bit better by that time. Um, But uh, nice job tonight, man.
0: Yeah, you as well. Let's go, Birds.
1: Gilbert's